0: A series in the Gospel of Mark, and in Mark chapter 4 is a bunch of parables that is about this seed of the kingdom. So I'm going to read in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 34. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him. So he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. "'Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain. "'And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, "'growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. "'And he said, "'He who has ears to hear, let him hear.' "'And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables.' And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown when they hear. Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown to them. And it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirty-fold and sixty-fold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Then he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? What parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants puts out large branches so the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately his own disciple, to his own disciples he explained everything. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word, for the word of the kingdom. God, we pray that our own hearts would be soft. We pray that we would be receptive. God, we pray that we would accept the word as these scriptures speak and we would bear much fruit. We need your help, Holy Spirit. So we ask you to come. Come, Holy Spirit, and make the word bear fruit in our own hearts and in our lives. God, help me to speak in that direction. And let all other words fall away. Amen. Jesus here is, is, is giving perhaps one of his most famous parables. Um, maybe the Prodigal Son or the Good Samaritan. Right up there, but this is at least top three, right? And Jesus has this series of of little parables in the Gospel of Mark to tell people about the nature of the kingdom. And Jesus is a is a genius of a teacher using imagery that is readily available to the people who are listening, things that they can understand, and yet, he can take these little stories and pack them so densely with so much content that they do, in fact, act like a seed, so that You can read it within seconds, and you can discard it if you want, or you can plant the seed there and let it germinate and bear much fruit. Jesus is describing for us the nature of the kingdom of God. There aren't too many passages in the Gospel of Mark that are like this, just a block of teaching. Like this, and immediately after this, Mark will jump back into moving us along in the action of Jesus's life. But Jesus gives these several stories that are agricultural in nature, the one exception being the lamp under the basket. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like this, and each of these things is taking an agricultural image. In providing a different sort of nuance on what the kingdom is like. And all along, the results are a bit surprising, except for maybe the first one. If you read the parable of the sower and you really think about the image that's being given, it sort of seems like this is the worst possible farmer. Because nobody should sow seed this way. The man apparently is going about his business throwing seed willy nilly, ending up on the road and rocky soil and thorny ground and some good soil. How can you be an occupational farmer and throw your seed on the road? This is not how good farming works. But Jesus is referring to the effectiveness of the, of the Word and the response of the people who receive it. There's this shift in the in the telling of the story and of the explaining of the story where the seed is simultaneously the Word and the people who receive the Word. That in one moment it is just the news of God uh, the news itself of the kingdom and in another sense it is the people who see it because in, in one example the the word is delivered to somebody who rejects it but another example the seed is the person who's getting choked out by the desires of this life but these images are meant to overlap because at issue is the way that you respond to this word and Jesus, is providing for his disciples some sort of explanatory power for what they are seeing, for what they will see. Jesus then described that in many ways the nature of the kingdom is hidden, but it is not hidden forever. And that one day the things that are currently hidden will be revealed. The things, the, the light that's being currently hidden under a basket, it won't stay under a basket forever because that would be a silly thing to do with a lamp. You're meant to put the lamp on the lampstand so the light is cast into the room. And he's saying, if the light seems hidden right now one day, things will be revealed. And, he says, this is in accord with how people sow their, their fields, He says the farmer goes out into the field. He throws his seed into the ground. Apparently, this is a much more competent farmer in this example. He puts his seed into the ground, and then one day, it grows. And he doesn't know how. He doesn't know why. It just works that way. And so there is a mystery about when, about how, Things will be revealed that God is doing in the kingdom, through the kingdom, to advance the kingdom. There's a hiddenness, and one day there will be a revealedness. And Jesus says the way that this happens is so surprising. Because this thing looks like the smallest, most insignificant little piece of a movement. A little tiny, tiny, tiny seed that will be planted deep in the ground, and suddenly, over time, you realize it has grown to become the largest thing in the garden. Jesus is weaving together all of these images for his listeners, for us who read it, so that we ourselves would understand that we are being invited into a kingdom that will mystify us, that will baffle us in so many ways. And yet, Jesus promises, there is an inevitability, there is an unstoppable nature to the kingdom if we will but hold on. And one day we will see. You know, I... Um, I experience this in my life. I don't, I don't know how much you experience this in yours, how how attentive you might have been to this reality in your life recently. But I feel this in me because I know that the kingdom is working. I know that the kingdom of God is within me because Jesus told me that. But the way that the kingdom works in my own life, the way that the rule of God, the rule of Jesus is being expanded into ever broader territory in my own heart seems ungraspable to me. And I am often confused. I'm often unsure if I'm at all on the right track. And there have been whole stretches of my life where I'm not sure that God is doing anything with me. I just can't tell what he might be up to. And then suddenly shoots of life spring up. And I I cannot explain where or how or from whence they have come. It's just suddenly I've entered a springtime of growth in my own life. But there is a, a kind of Smallness and fragility, a quietness in the working of the kingdom that demands your attention. And this is why this image, this agricultural kind of example, is so important for us in the season of Lent. Because I do believe that while Jesus is saying, you will not be able to control and dictate the pace of growth. You will not be able to control and demand the fruit on your own time. I do think that Jesus would invite us to be attentive to the garden of our own hearts. And that this requires time. It requires attention. It requires affection and that the busyness of this world is, in fact, a kind of danger that Jesus would warn us about. And he does. That the demands and the desires of this world are a choking force for anybody and for everyone. And for, for me, it's all good stuff. I, I am not pressed in on and, and being choked by things Largely, that I think are burdens. They are things that are good to me, but they are not as good as this. And the question that is put to me time and again is can you tell the difference? Can you see that what Jesus is doing, who Jesus is, is in fact better? than all of these other good things. If you pay attention to the ground, sometimes weeds are beautiful. They look, not all weeds, some of them are ugly and mean, but there's plenty of weeds that have flowers and are vibrant in color. And if you don't pay attention, they will choke out every other thing that lives in your yard, in your garden. I I think that these are the kinds of things that we are most likely to come up against in the growth of the kingdom of God in our own hearts. I know that for me, the temptation is always to believe that some is good and more is better. That if, if one good thing is good, then two good things is even better. And maybe it is. Very often, we are, I never even ask the question, is the good thing as good as the best thing? It's difficult, this life of the kingdom. Jesus is not saying otherwise. Jesus is not saying this is clear and obvious. He is saying, though, that it is worth it the kingdom life life being more and more fully given over to the rule and reign of Jesus it is a kind of growing power both in you and the world in other stories he'll he'll say like referenced in the poem the kingdom is like you found the greatest deal in the world the kingdom is like a treasure buried in a field that you can buy and the treasure far outstrips anything that you will pay to buy the field so that if, any, if you sell everything that you have to buy the field you still come out on the good end of the deal by far but it will still cost you everything In a moment, in the moments of your life, it will still cost you everything and be worth it. The kingdom is like this. And I'll tell you the truth that it is so easy for me to pass on by the work of the kingdom in my own life. I mean, I... I feel this week, I, I, I was coming here this morning and casting my mind back over my week, feeling so rushed and unprepared and unready. And I'm like, where, where did I waste all my time? Because I'm good at that. Where have I done that? And I couldn't remember a day where I had just sort of kicked it where I had where I put things into low gear and cruised. I couldn't remember where all of the time went. Last night, I was at a wedding for hours and hours, doing the wedding. The wedding was a good thing, a very good thing. My, my life is full of good things. Yet in the pace in the drive of this world filled with good and with evil. It's so easy to never once ask, what is Jesus doing? I would say it's probably the default of my life and yours is to never ask this question. What is Jesus doing? And do I want to join him? Because there is a kind of invitation here. There is an inevitability to the kingdom. Jesus says that the seed will grow into the largest plant in the garden. It's going to happen. And just kind of objectively, we would say there's been some fulfillment to that prophecy. A movement from a difficult portion of the Roman Empire in the first century with a few pretty suspect original followers has grown to spread over many parts of the face of the earth. I mean, it's, the thing is happening, unexpectedly and truly. It's inevitable. And also, do you want to be a part? At large, there is inevitability. There is an unstoppableness to the whole thing. But Jesus clearly puts the question to those who would be his disciples. Are are you in with me for the long haul? And Jesus, he says that the sort of challenge, the inscrutability of life in the kingdom is, is actually meant to be a kind of sliding glass door. He quotes this passage in Isaiah. It's... I think it's one of the most troubling things that Jesus says. He he explicitly gives this teaching and says, yeah, the parables are meant so that the disciples would understand and all those who are not disciples would be pushed further into not understanding. I, I don't like to hear Jesus talk like that. But how else do you read... They may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. The challenge of the kingdom demands something of the people who would hear and respond. Jesus provides a kind of warning too. Don't let the word pass you by. Don't let the word pass you by. The word of the kingdom that He gives is meant to carry through all of the seasons of trial that you may face. Attack by the enemy, the cares of this world, the desires of your flesh, This word can bring fruit in your life. Don't be put off by the mystifying nature of the kingdom, but instead endure and carry on. And that's what disciples are. The disciples are not superstars. I mean, the leader of them is going to betray Jesus explicitly and repeatedly. It's not their superstar nature that makes them disciples. It is just the the very difficult task of continuing to follow Jesus. And that's it. Jesus promises that if you stick with him, the word will bear fruit. It will. You may not understand. You may not see. You may not even like the way that it is happening, but his word is the only word that will bring real and true fruit in your life. And he will not abandon you. He will not leave you. He will be with his people, even those who are driven to the point of distraction time and time again, people like me. The word of the kingdom hinges on Jesus. And Jesus is inviting you. Jesus is inviting me to the fruitful and long work of life in the garden with him. Jesus will accomplish what he intends to accomplish. He is the inevitable and unstoppable one. Jesus will surprise you. Jesus will be unveiled in your life. In all the ways that you think he's hidden, he's actually going to surprise you and come out from under the covers every once in a while to cast light onto the darkness of your own heart and into the darkness of your life. Jesus will be the one who surprised you. And Jesus will do it in ways that surprise you, in ways that you don't even understand. You might be in the middle of things that feel irredeemable and impossible to you, and somehow Jesus will surprise you even at some point to say, even then, when the seed was in the darkness under the ground, I was at work and doing something that you did not know. Jesus works this way, and he is a good farmer. He is. You may not be. I may not be. I throw seeds everywhere, but he's a good farmer. And he will tend the garden of your heart and bring you to the place of ultimate fruitfulness so that you will find your shade under the broad branching of his own kingdom. The question that we are presented with every time that we come back here, we are called to worship him. And we are presented again, week after week after week, with the question, have you seen Jesus? Have you participated in what he's doing? And if you are here today at this moment, and you are realizing uh, no, I have not. I have before, I remember it, and those were good times. But I've grown tired, I've grown distracted, I've grown burdened by the way the things are. The kingdom is still at work in you because you're here to be reminded. And part of the kingdom's working in our lives, being more and more given over to the rule and reign of God, is Jesus will come and point out all the places where you have kept tight control of your own life. And maybe it's been a week, maybe it's been a month, maybe it's been a long, dry year. And Jesus is here to garden your heart for you. Would you turn and respond to him? The kingdom of God is at hand. He's at hand. Jesus, the kingdom bringer, the one who is the word, the one who is the king of the kingdom, He's here. Turn to Him. That is the lifeblood of the kingdom. And if you are here today and you are like, I'm barely in the door. I've been invited, I have come begrudgingly. I have been invited and I've come as is my habit, begrudgingly. If you are here today and you feel totally at odds with the mystery of the kingdom, the mystery is meant to be made plain to you today. So that you would not be in darkness for much longer. Jesus has brought you here to worship him and to remember that everything that is in Jesus is worth everything and anything that you might drop to run towards him. He is so much better than you can imagine. And today the kingdom of God is before you. Run home to Jesus. Run home to him, and the kingdom will take root in your life, and he will surely provide shade under the arms of his cross, which is the central life-giving tree in his garden. He will set you free and continue to free you until the full brightness of his light is unveiled for all to see, and you will be in that midst. Today, the kingdom of God is before you. Repent and believe. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your gentle kindness towards us. We confess to you that the mystery of the workings of the kingdom are difficult for us We have far more controllable, shiny, entertaining things going on in our life. We've been distracted. We've been pulled. We've wandered away. We have not desired any longer to be surprised. We just want things to go as we expect. And God, I pray for for everybody here who is weary, Weary from doing good, weary from doing evil. While all of us weary from being away from you. And I pray, God, that we would be attentive to your word. God, would you bear much fruit in our own lives? Would you pull the rocks out of the soil and clear the ground and rip out the thorns so that we might desire what is best and good and true for us? which is in you. Lord Jesus, I pray for those who are here today who have been perplexed and repelled by the kingdom. God, I pray that you would do a miracle and that you would help them to suddenly see what feels hidden. They would see Jesus before them. God, I pray that we would all wherever we are on the spectrum of knowing and believing you, that we would all see Jesus a bit more clearly this morning and that we would give our lives over to him more deeply and fully. Lord Jesus, please bear fruit in us as we come and find all of our life in you. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.